All right, well, hey, welcome everybody again to Grace Church. How's everyone doing today? Great. Great. I love that. That's awesome. Well, hey, if we've never had a chance to meet before, my name is Steve, and I'm one of the residents here at the Medina East Campus, and I have the privilege and opportunity to be able to help with Give It Away. And so that is just basically all about giving away the story and the message of Jesus to the world. And so I get to help out with things like Five and Change, which, yeah, I'm really excited about to see how we can mobilize as a church and make a change in our community and in the world. And so that's awesome. That's a little bit about uh, what I get to do here. And like I said, if if we've never met before, um, don't feel like you have to just take off after the service. Um, Would you stay and meet somebody new? Maybe introduce yourself to me. That would be a good thing. So I look forward to that. And I look forward to this series. So today, let's just jump right in. We're continuing in a series called Be Bold. And so this is actually uh, week three, part three of this series. And if you haven't been with us the last couple weeks, no worries. You can get online or download our app and you can see all of our past teachings that way. And so just to catch you up a little bit here, what are we talking about? We're talking about be bold. And so we're thinking about that word boldness, okay? So what is boldness anyways? Oftentimes when we think about boldness, we might maybe think about a bold font, kind of like this one right here. Sometimes we think of making a bold statement or doing something bold and daring, maybe just for the sake of doing something daring. And when we put it, especially when we put it into the context of a Christian, a Christ follower, someone following Jesus, when we put boldness in that context, sometimes we have a negative connotation. Sometimes we think about someone who is uh, brash and forceful or pushy or aggressive, almost kind of like a protester or an activist or something like that. But we want to look at the Bible, and we want to say, what does the Bible have to say about boldness? And I think in the Bible, we see that boldness is not really about how pushy or aggressive you are. It's not about the loudness of your personality or the aggressiveness of um, your actions or anything like that. What we see is boldness is much more about speaking the truth, whatever that might be, the truth, speaking the truth without um, any ambiguity, speaking it plainly and with a lot of gentleness and respect, okay? So... Through this whole series, we're kind of asking the question, how then do we be bold? How do we be bold? And so part two, last week, we said step one was that we would, do, we would need to have bold prayer. So we talked about bold prayer. And so let me ask this kind of a, an interesting question. If, if all we did was pray, what, what if that's all we did? Just pray. Okay, that sounds weird because it's like, well, yeah, praying is a good thing. We should be praying. And I know for me, having taught last week, I'm like, I definitely need more prayer in my life, but if, what if that's all that we did was just pray? And, well, let me ask this question. Think about it. What if the Christian life was just you kind of uh, just accept who Jesus is and you show up at a building once a week, maybe you show up another day of the week at someone's house for life group or something like that, and maybe we read the Bible every once in a while, we pray every once in a while, but what if we do that and nothing else changes? No one else knows or sees the change that happens in our life. Is that, can we say that that is actually living the Christian life? And so step two, what we're going to talk about with our time today is this. To be bold, we need to live bold. It's all about bold living. It's just about living that Christian life out, living it boldly. Okay, and so I think the best way to kind of describe this and what we'll see, these two, arch, two overarching things that we're going to see in the passage that we're going to get into is this. We're going to say this, that bold living is... Number one, representing Jesus subtly in what we won't do. Okay, that's like the first aspect of it. And bold living is also representing Jesus actively in what we will do. So I think it's those two things that we'll kind of see in the passage that we're going to be in 
today, those two things. So let's turn right there. Let's get right to it. In 1 Peter, that's where we're going to be, 1 Peter chapter 2. And if you don't have a Bible, no worries. You can grab a Bible that's underneath your chair. It's a black Bible. You can take that Bible. If you don't have one, keep it. Write your name in it and take that. And we're going to be on eight, page 851 on those Bibles. You can also follow along on your Bible app or Grace Church app as well. And so however you want to get there, I would just encourage you to get to 1 Peter chapter 2. So that's where we're going to be the rest of our time. Okay, so as you're turning there, let me give you just kind of a bit of background, okay? A bit of background on what 1 Peter is, what we're talking about here. So this is the Apostle Peter, okay? This is a guy, that just means that he's a guy that was following Jesus. He's on mission for and with Jesus. And honestly, at the beginning of when we interact with um, Peter, he's not really the most bold living guy. He kind of stumbles a ton in his faith. He rejects Jesus a few times. He's weak in his faith oftentimes. Oftentimes, we don't see him living that bold life. But fast forward a little bit through his story in the Bible, and we see him come to have the Holy Spirit and, and to be with Jesus, and that he does actually turn out to live boldly. He actually becomes a foundation for the church. And so he's writing this letter to offer hope to the church, a cluster of churches in what is modern-day Turkey. So he's writing a letter to those people and to us today as well. And he's providing hope to a persecuted church, to a persecuted people. And he's providing practical ways of living boldly as a Christian following Jesus. Okay, so let's jump right in then. We are in verse 11. So 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. And Peter goes on and he says this. He says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Okay, so let's talk about a few things here. Uh, this first part, dear friends, I urge you. What he's doing is he's beginning with this um, really important kind of enduring proclamation to the original audience and to us, and he's saying, hey, people uh, that follow Jesus, hey, the church, and so other translations, they may not say dear friends, maybe your translation says dear brothers and sisters, so he's saying, hey, Christ followers, hey, people that follow Jesus, I urge you, I beseech you, I am like pleading with you, would you do these things? And so he says this all in the context of like, hey, I, I urge you guys as foreigners and as exiles, he's calling the recipients in the day and us today foreigners and exiles. So what's that about? Well, this is language that we see in the Old Testament that oftentimes referred to the Israelites as they were wandering in the desert with no land or no home to call their own. And he's saying that to us as well. He's referring to the church then and the church to us now, saying that we are foreigners and exiles as well. So why is that important? This is important because Followers of Jesus, what the Bible says, followers of Jesus are not citizens of this world. The Bible tells us that we are living in a place that is not our home. And we are living in a place that, yes, is created by God, but has been overrun by darkness. Though we live in North America and we call ourselves Christians, we are aliens and foreigners in this land. For example, have you ever been to maybe a different culture or a different country than your own? Sometimes you know like right away when you're in a different place or a different culture, not from around there. Um, for example, uh, I went to Mexico 
um, last year, and we, we, I went with a team of people from our churches to go um, do some missions in Mexico, and it's very clear when I land that I'm not from around there, right? I'm like this pale white kid and, um, in the beginning of the trip, and then at, later on in the trip, I don't tan. I just get lobster red, so like from skin color alone, you're like, you can know I'm not from around here. He's not normally outside in hot weather, right, okay, this pale white kid, um, or, or maybe uh, a better, another different example. Um, I went to France with a few people from our church here um, not too long ago, again, to investigate missions out in that area. And so it's a little bit less noticeable, okay? I can fit in, try to fit in a little bit in some ways. And um, I took, so I took French for like three years in grade school. So I know a little bit of the language, okay? I'm not, <laughs> I don't know it uh, very good. But I was like, man, I'm gonna go to France. I'm gonna speak their language. I'm gonna try to fit in and, and be polite and have a conversation. And so almost every time I would start out a conversation like, hey, bonjour, ça va, you know? And um, very quickly, <laughs> they would find out that, okay, this guy, doesn't know French, right? I would, I would like try to reply, and they're like, no, we're just going to speak English now. And I'm like, you speak perfect English. This is so great. And so they know right away that I'm like not from around there. And so Peter, he is saying that to us. He's saying, you are not from around here. Your real citizenship is in heaven. It's part of God's kingdom, not this kingdom. Okay, so just think about your own neighborhood or your workplace, because you don't have to go to a different country or a different place to see, to realize that if you're a follower of Jesus, there are people in our community um, that are, have very different faiths, beliefs, and values than our own. All right, so Peter, he's saying, hey, church, hey, followers of Jesus, I am pleading with you. I'm urging you, because you're strangers and exiles where you live, to do this, to, to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Okay, so what is he talking about here? What is abstaining from sinful desires anyways? What does that mean? Well, early on in 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, he says this in verse 14. He says, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. He's saying that the things that you desired before coming to know Jesus, the things that created more distance between you and God, you and Jesus, abstain from those things. Okay, so like what things? Are we talking about like vacations, cars, iPhones, stuff like that? Does it mean that we should just um, be monks and kind of reject everything in this world? Not, Not necessarily. I think what he's saying is that we're supposed to deny sin and deny our over our tendencies of over desiring to deny making good things into God things to deny taking our security in our stuff instead of in Jesus so for example work work for example is that a good thing or a bad thing I guess it depends on who you ask, right? But uh, I would say it's a good thing in general. Like God made it. It's not entirely a bad thing. But sometimes we can make a good thing into a God thing. Sometimes we can take our work, for example, and make it our identity, right? All right, well, I think maybe the best place to kind of look and see exactly what he's talking about here, what he's saying that sinful desires are, might be another place in the Bible. And this, this guy named Paul, he wrote Galatians. And he says it, he kind of summarizes it in a list right here like this. He says, now the works of the flesh are evident. The, the abstaining from the sinful desires are, are this. It can be these things. And he says, those things are sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I've warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So I think Peter is saying, don't let these past things, we're not going to get into all of these, but don't let these past desires be your present 
desires. Don't actively live that way anymore. And so this is why. I think it's because that first part, this is where I'm getting this, that whole bold living is representing Jesus subtly in what we won't do, subtly in what we won't do. How do we do this, right? We do this by looking different than the rest of the world, by not engaging kind of those list of things that we just read. And why is that? The Bible says, it says it right there, because those things actually wage war against your soul. God has a better way. He knows what's better. He knows the things that we should not do to be closer to him and to others. So that subtly part is interesting. It's there definitely for a purpose, and it's because this. So often, in my experience, um, so often followers of Jesus will, will take a list like that one in Galatians, we'll take that list of things and we'll, we'll kind of push that on people that are not followers of Jesus. We'll kind of take that and say, okay, this is what God tells me to do as a, as a follower of Jesus, and we'll say, now everyone else needs to not do that too. And we'll kind of push that on to other people that don't even know God, who don't subscribe to the same even thinking or following the same God. And we call that kind of boldness, being bold and doing that. But I think, you know what's more bold than that? I think it's subtly showing people what we won't do. Subtly, by the way that you live your life, allowing people to see on their own volition the things that we clearly don't do and the things that we live for instead. To the point where people are asking us like, hey, I I noticed that you don't do this thing anymore. Why don't you do whatever this thing is? Why don't you do that anymore? I've noticed. Why don't you do whatever it might be? Why don't you do that anymore? For example, um, and I, I'm not saying I do this perfectly at all, but I, I remember um, when I came to know Jesus was August 10th, 2011, and I remember just everything changing, right? I was just like, man, this is crazy. I hadn't grown up in the church before. I didn't know any of this stuff, and I'm like, I just started wanting and desiring to do things differently, and so I put a lot of these things that I used to do and stopped doing them and started doing different things, and I remember my dad noticed that. Okay, I was living with my dad in the time, and I remember clearly um, having following Jesus for a little while. Um, my dad stopped me in the kitchen, in his kitchen, with like tears in his eyes. And he's like, son, what is going on with you? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, I- I've noticed you, you, you just, you don't do these things you used to do anymore. You're not pursuing the same things you used to pursue anymore. You're not saying the same things you used to say anymore. You're not pursuing money, women, the things that you, that like surrounded your life that you were pursuing before He's like, my gosh, you're doing the dishes. You're, you're like doing your own laundry. What is wrong with you? He's like, and by the way, if you want to let your parents know that God is real, like do your own dishes. That'll get you there, okay? Um, but my dad, we're in the kitchen, and he's saying these things, and he's like, man, what's going on? And I got to share with him that God has done something in my life. And so my dad, he grew up Catholic, and he knew about his faith. He just didn't practice it. And he's like, I've noticed you just changed. You're doing something different. And see, I didn't have to go out and say, hey, dad, like, look at me. I'm not doing these things anymore. Like, how cool am I, right? It wasn't that. It was this subtle, like, hey, I've noticed that you don't do these things anymore. Why is that? Why don't you do those things anymore? And so it's not because followers of Jesus are perfect by any means or or that we're trying to earn something from God. It's simply because we understand that God knows best for our lives. And we just say, yeah, I agree with that. I'm going to try to live that way. And it just so happens when we do that, that people are going to start asking questions. A conversation will happen when you do that. Okay, so the first part is that bold living is representing Jesus subtly and what we won't 
do, the things that we don't do, okay? And that's kind of the more negative side of things, but Peter, he'll get into the more positive side of things, the things that we should actively do now, and that's that second part, and what we'll kind of hear from Peter from the rest of this passage, that bold living is this. It's also representing Jesus actively in what we will do. Okay, so let me tell you kind of where we're headed here, okay? Just so we all know what's going on, all right? Um, in the, pa- the rest of the passage here, we're gonna see kind of how this plays out in nine different ways, okay? So we're gonna do something fun. We're gonna take nine, what could be nine sermon series and, and condense it into one, okay? So we'll be here for the next hour or so and it's gonna be great, all right? You guys all fall on, I'm just kidding. We'll, we'll be out of here, it'll be good. But we're gonna have nine different things that we see Peter talks about to emphasize this point, Okay? So let's check it out. He picks back up in verse 12, and he says this. Remember, he's saying, hey, church, hey, believers, abstain from these things, but do this. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. All right, so let's kind of talk about that first part there. Live such good lives among the pagans. Peter is saying, this is how you represent Jesus. This is how, if you live great lives, do so in such a way that it is among the pagans. And let's not get caught up on that word pagan. Some of your Bibles might say Gentiles. All that means is people that don't follow Jesus. So he's saying, live such good lives among people that don't follow Jesus. Live such good lives among those people. And then he says something really interesting. He says, though they accuse you of doing wrong. Let me tell you kind of why he adds that part there. Because back in his day, back when people are starting to get a hold of this Jesus guy, starting to follow Jesus and start the church starts happening, people <laughs> didn't know, they weren't sure about Christians at first. They're like, okay, these Christians, they're really weird, okay? And so that's actually true today, too. I think a lot of people think Christians are weird, and probably rightfully so, but what was happening is people were accusing Christians of different things. They were accusing Christians of cannibalism, (laughs) okay? So they're like, you guys are doing communion? You're doing what with the bread and the cup? Like, Jesus' body and blood? Wait, what? They were accusing Christians of cannibalism from that kind of stuff. They were accusing Christians of being incest and having orgies. They're, they're like, you guys are calling everybody your brother and sister? Like, what is going, you're going to love feasts? Like, that's weird. So they're accusing Christians of those things. They were accusing Christians of being atheists. They're like, you guys aren't worshiping the art, the same gods that we worship. You're not worshiping the idols of our day. You guys must be atheists. And so we see, man, Peter is saying, People are going to accuse you of all of these crazy things when you're following Jesus, when you're living boldly, when you're bold living for Jesus with your lives. Today, I mean, today Christians are accused of, you know, being weird. Today Christians are accused of being uh, bigots, being intolerant, suppressive, being morally superior, and also being hypocrites. And so we see that. But what is the Christian response here? What's the Christian response to kind of all of those accusations and things like that? I think we see it in Genesis 12, and I'll just say it for you. God was saying this. God was saying, man, God has blessed you to be a blessing. That's the response, to be a blessing, okay? And so that's the first one that we see here. Bold living is actively being a blessing to others. It's being a blessing to others. So we don't do good or receive blessings just to hoard them for ourselves. From the beginning, God's people have always been called to be a blessing to others, to use your time, your money, your resources, your relationships, whatever it might be, to use it for other people and not for ourselves. And Jesus, he says that if you bless those that are like you, how different are you from anyone else? 
See, it's easy for, for me to bless other people that are like me, to bless other people that are followers of Jesus, to bless people in my life group, but we're called to be a blessing to other people, to everyone, especially here in the passage we see, to be a blessing to the people not like us, to the people that don't follow Jesus, to the people that reject your faith, that reject your good deeds. Okay, so why? So that, we may, so that they may see your bold living, like the passage says, so that they may see your bold living and your act of generosity and blessing towards others, and hopefully one day glorify Jesus because of it. And we can do this both with our actions and with our words as we're showing and telling people about Jesus and with our lives. All right, so we have eight more to go, so we should probably get through that. Um, This next chunk of uh, this passage here gives us a lot of those kind of statements and what bold living is. So he picks up in verse 13, and Peter says this. He says, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to the governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Okay, so this is a big chunk that has a lot of different ways of how to live boldly. And that first thing that we see here, the first thing that Peter says is this. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority. So number two, bold living is actively submitting to authority. Bold living for Jesus requires submitting ourselves, you and me, to human authority, to the governments, to the police force, to your school teachers, to your leaders, to your parents, people think, people that God has put in place in leadership in those ways. And so this one, I know for me at least, it, it can be hard to accept honestly, but just think about Peter's situation, the guy who's writing this letter. He's writing this saying, submit to authority, while this guy Nero is in reign and ruling, and he is persecuting the church, and he is persecuting Christians. And by the way, who ultimately got Peter killed for his faith. So he's writing this in the same time that that is happening. And, but let me say this, though. Although bold living requires submitting to authority, I think bold living is also being able to know the difference between man's law and God's law as well, okay? So I think we ought to obey man's law except when commanded to sin. For example, last week in Acts chapter 4, that's where we were at, and in Acts chapter 4, it talks about Peter and John and what they did. And so Peter from Acts chapter 4 last week is the same Peter that's writing this letter. And so Peter and John, they were commanded by the religious leaders to stop, to stop telling people about Jesus. So if you remember from last week, they got caught up because they were sharing their faith in Jesus to other people. The religious leaders were like, stop doing that. We're threatening you. Do not do that. Leave this place and don't share your faith anymore. Don't do that. Well, what did they do? They kept sharing their faith, right? The same guy that's writing this, is he being a hypocrite? He's saying submit to authority. But then we see in Acts chapter four that he didn't do that himself. Well, it's because that would be sin. Another example, in Exodus chapter 1, verse 17, that these Israelite women, they were commanded by law to kill their male babies. Did they do that? No, that would have been sin, okay? So why would we do this? Why would we submit to authority, to human authority? Well, it says in the passage, it says, because God set it up to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. And we agree with that, whether, um, whether our opinion says otherwise, but we disregard it in the rare circumstances if we are commanded to sin. 
All right, so then he picks up in verse 15. He goes on and he says, for it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. So live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. So I think what he's saying here is this, like how and where should we do good? What, what's the best way to use our freedom to, do, to live boldly? And I think this is what we get here in number three. I think this is why bold living is actively doing good in our community, right? Doing good in our community. So in general, I think most people don't read the Bible anymore, but people will read your life. They will read the way that you live your life. In fact, I'd like to take a survey sometime, and I'd like to see, um, maybe in just like Medina County, I'd like to see what people what people's views are of the church and of Christians, whether they think that it's a good thing to a society or if it's a bad thing to society. I imagine we've got a lot of mixed reviews, but if one of you wants to do a survey like that, that'd be cool so I can benefit. That'd be awesome. So someone can do that. <laughs> but, but I think that would be very interesting to see, okay? So, for example, I love our, our Norton Church, okay? So if you're not sure of our, how we do our um, structure here at church, at Grace Church, we have multi, multiple campuses, and so we have a campus in Norton, Ohio, and I just love what they have been able to do. They have been so interconnected in their community, doing good in their community. They're connected with the police force, with the schools and things like that, and so whenever they have a need, they'll call the church. They're doing this. They're doing good in their community, and it's being seen by other people. And that's why I love what they're doing. And so for us, wouldn't it be awesome to see the church in Medina, see the community of believers in Medina being active and doing good in our community? Like brainstorming with our life groups, thinking, man, how do we do good in our community? Being part of Five and Change, right? Shameless plug. There we go. Um, Getting involved in local ministries here in Medina to be a blessing and to do good in our community. So as we're doing that, as we're being a blessing to others, as we're doing good in our community, verse 17 picks up and says, while we're doing those things, show, respe- show proper respect to everyone. Show proper respect to everyone. And so that's where I get this next thing, number four. Bold living then is actively valuing others that are not like us. Show proper respect to everyone. Valuing others that are not like us. Okay, I mentioned this before, but there are a lot of different beliefs and faiths and values than our own. How are we actively valuing those people? Even more, like putting aside our prejudices and, and, um, that we might have and valuing people of different ethnicities, citizenship, social status, age, things like that. Those are the kind of things that God is never going to tell you to look down on those people for those reasons at all. See, bold living is loving and valuing others valuing the alien, the outsider, the stranger, the person not like you, the person not like me. And we can do this because Jesus did that for us. That's exactly what he did for us. Remember, we are aliens, outsiders in this land. But Jesus, he sacrificed it all to love you and to me, to bless you and to value you and me. And so that's kind of like what the church is supposed to be like, in unity with each other. And Peter says this about the church, too. I think this is really interesting. He says, love the family of believers. So show proper respect to everyone, but also love the family of believers. (laughs) And I think that brings us to our next point, number five. Bold living is actively then engaging with the church. See, John 13 says that we must love one another, love other followers of Jesus, and when we do that, the world will know that Jesus is real, right? When we love each other, it's a witness, it's a testimony of God's love and God being real. 
And so we actively engage in the church to do that, to be a, a living um, example of Jesus is real. So we can't really do that once a week um, at a sermon sitting here, right? It takes engaging actively in and with the church to, again, show up at life group to figure out together how are we going to be a blessing to others? How are we going to do good in our community together? Bold living requires the church, and it requires you and me to love one another, to show that Jesus is real. It's one of the best testimonies of the church And so Peter says that we should do all of this while fearing God. All right, so number six, bold living is actively fearing God, actively fearing God. And not that that means that we should be terrified of God as if if he's waiting to kind of get us when we've done something wrong because we're going to mess up, we're going to do stuff wrong. It's not that. Bold living instead recognizes that God is all-powerful, all-knowing, and that we should fear God. God instead of fearing other people or other things in this world. Not to fear the human authorities or not to fear when someone rejects you or me because of our faith or because of sharing Jesus and being rejected, but to fear an all-powerful, good God who wants what's best for you and for me and for others. Okay, so the passage here, uh, Peter kind of shifts gears and he starts talking about work, which is interesting, okay? In, in verse 18, he says this, slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh, also to those who are harsh. So why is he kind of talking about work here? It's because I think this, I think um, most of us, right, most of us spend about 40 plus hours at work. We're like always at work. And so work is one of the best places to live our faith boldly. It's one of the best places to start living boldly for Jesus. And it says that we should submit ourselves to um, like our managers and our bosses and things like that. And that means to be inclined to do what they want us to do and not to blatantly or passive aggressively kind of go against everything they want us to do. And it says whether they are good or harsh. And so number seven is this, bold living is actively representing Jesus at work, actively representing Jesus at work. Bold living, then, is no longer just working to get ahead or to climb the corporate ladder or to make the extra dollar. It's now to show others who Jesus is in and through and with our work. And so actively doing that, it actually might mean going back to work tomorrow or this week and apologizing to some people. It might actually mean changing the way that you've been working all of these years. It might even mean pursuing the people at your work instead of the position that you want at work to actively pursue this, actively representing Jesus at work. And then in verse 19, he kind of shifts gears again and pulls out of the whole work thing, and he gives us another aspect of bold living. So he picks up in verse 19, and he says, For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, This is commendable by God. So this is interesting. All over the Bible, we see that the people of God that are living boldly for God and sharing their faith in, in Jesus, being a blessing to others, doing good in their community, valuing others, fearing God, representing Jesus at work, doing all of these things, there are gonna be people that don't like that, that simply don't like you doing that. And sometimes, what Peter says, sometimes you'll have to suffer unjustly because of your bold living. Peter is saying that that's actually a good thing. 
right? Not that we should pursue suffering, but that we should pursue um, continuing to live boldly for Jesus and seeking for others to know him, for him to be known. So what will we do when that happens? What will we do when people do um, kind of uh, inflict injustice onto us in those ways? How will we respond? Well, I think what we can get out of this is number eight. The bold living is actively responding to wrongdoing, to unjust suffering with good. It's actively responding to those things instead with good, not retaliation or anything like that. And so, for example, um, I worked at Apple for several years, and um, there were a lot of people that worked with me and a lot of people that, you know, weren't followers of Jesus, and it was, you know, it was no secret that I was a follower of Christ. I worked at a church and all of that, and so that pretty put a pretty big target on my back for a lot of people that, you know, wanted to irritate me and, and bug me and kind of get a rise out of me, okay? So I remember it was really hard for me to kind of go about this, especially at my work, and like, okay, I got to represent Jesus at work. I got to respond to wrongdoing with good because that's not my first inclination, <laughs> right? When someone's trying to get a rise out of me, that, my first inclination is like, oh, I want to bless this guy right now, <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it's usually not that way. But yeah, so some people did pick on me, give me a hard time, and so how did I respond? Well, I got into a theological debate with them, told them how I was right and they were wrong, and I ignored them the rest of the time I worked there, right? No, I'm just kidding. Like, that's what I wanted to do, right? That's like, in me, I'm like, I want to do that, right? I can, I've, I've gotten the Bible school thing. I can do this, right? And so that's how I wanted to respond. <laughs> but man, instead, I'm like, how can I bless this person? How can I pray for this person instead? How can I serve this person so that he can know that I love him, that Jesus loves him. Okay, so I developed some kind of like mechanisms that I use, by the way, and I'll share those with you. Some of the things that I tried doing, um, for example, if someone like said in a derogatory way, like Jesus Christ, you know, or they'll be like, Jesus Christ, Steve, you know, to try to get a rise out of me, you know, the way I wanted to respond was like, don't use the Lord's name in vain, man. Like, they don't know what I'm talking about. They're like just trying to get a rise out of me, right? I'm not trying to hold them to a standard that I have. But instead, if they did that, if they were like, Jesus Christ, Steve, I would be like, yeah, man, Jesus is the Christ. You're right. And they just, like, did not respond to that. <laughs> it was awesome. They're like, uh, like, they're looking for a rise out of me, you know? Or if, like, I sneezed, they'd be like, God bless you, bro, like, kind of sarcastically, like, trying to make a hit at me. And I'd be like, yeah, man, God does bless us. That's right. You're awesome. And <laughs> they, like, hated that. But it's like doing good instead of retaliating. So they kind of started to laugh with me instead of at me. Probably both, honestly, right? It's kind of cheesy. But, you know, use it. It'll work out great. But don't blame me if it doesn't, all right? So that, that's kind of like what, what I did, what happened there. So it's because of this. My mindset kind of changed a little bit, right? Um, when someone did wrong to me, it's not that I'm trying to, it's no longer that I'm trying to get back at them or to give them what they deserve. Could you imagine if God gave me what I deserve? <laughs> I would probably not like those results. Okay, so how can we do all this anyways? How can we do this whole bold living stuff? Because honestly, this stuff, if I'm honest, is really hard to do in practice, right? It's easy to kind of sit here on the weekend and say, oh yeah, bold living is actively doing these things, like respond to wrongdoing with good. That makes sense, check, right? Um, but when you're like in the moment, like at work or wherever you're at, <laughs> these things become really hard to do if I'm honest, and especially if we're trying to do these on our own power, and if we're trying to do these things without an example before us, without somebody who has empowered us or enabled us to bold living to do these things. And so I think that's why, first, I think that's why Peter gets into this next part here. He says this, it's very awesome, right? In verse 21, he says, to this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example 
that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. And when they hurled insult at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. You were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. That's bold living. It's about Jesus, who is the perfect model, the perfect God, the perfect example for us on how to live boldly and who enables us to do so. So I think that's why number nine is this. Bold living, then, is actively entrusting ourselves to Jesus. Like, that's what Jesus did. He entrusted himself to God. Jesus himself, being God, God, entrusted himself to God, giving us an example that we can then entrust ourselves to Jesus. And when we do this, when we entrust ourselves to Jesus, when we follow his lead, we can be bold. We can live boldly. But if we kind of go through this whole thing, this whole series on be bold and kind of try to do that ourselves, kind of just be a blessing to other people, just kind of try to do good whenever we can, whenever we can without entrusting ourselves to Jesus, without having him as the motivation, without having him as the one empowering us, then we miss the mark. But when we entrust ourselves to Jesus and look at him as that example, then we can live boldly. All right, so I want to finish out the rest of our time um, just kind of bringing this together with a couple of challenges, okay? Because I think, I think these nine things are a lot, right? It's probably a lot. It's like nine sermons in one, so thanks for bearing with it. But let's put some practicality to this. Let's give some challenges to these things. So I got this list for you, okay? This is what we went over. Bold living is actively doing these things. I think that's what Peter was telling us, what we see in this passage, okay? So here's the thing that we can easily do. We can look at this and be like, oh, yeah, that's what the Bible says. Um, cool, bold living, take a picture of this, do it, maybe do it every once in a while, bold living. But here's my challenge. Would we internalize this, okay? And by, if you took a picture already, I'm sorry, I'm gonna change this now, okay? And so what if we, the challenge is this, what if we actually internalize this and said, no, bold living is not just this theoretical thing, but it's actually what we will actively do. What the community of, of believers here at Medina will do, we will actively be a blessing to others. We will actively submit to authority, do good in our community, value others that are not like us, engage with the church, fear God while doing it, represent Jesus at work, respond to wrongdoing with good, and entrust ourselves to Jesus. Will we make that real and practical and internalize it and do that? Almost like, like a battle cry of like, this is what the church is supposed to look like. This is what we are going to do. And I would invite you to bring someone along with you as you're trying to do these things. And maybe even make this a nine-week thing that you do because doing all these nine things at once could kind of be overwhelming. So maybe just take it a week at a time. Say, okay, this week I'm gonna be a blessing to others. This week I'm gonna stop doing that and do submit the authority, right? <laughs> Keep doing them, but like maybe invite someone else with you. Go through this and make it a nine-week thing. We will actively do these things. Okay, so that's challenge one. Challenge two is this, and we've been showing you guys this for the last couple weeks. Um, I would encourage you to, to download this. this is, these are wallpapers, three different wallpapers that you can download from our Grace Church app, from online on our website. You can even get a cute little button that has Be Bold on it. So I encourage you to do that stuff. And so the second challenge is this. We've been saying, pray this prayer with us. Lord, make me bold because the world desperately needs you. And last week we said that these three circles represent your three. So the three people that you're like, 
Lord, make me bold because these three people desperately need you. Um, would you internalize this as well, okay, and do this. This is the second challenge. Don't just pray for these three people, but actively represent Jesus to these three people, okay? Like I said, we can, we can just pray all day, and we should. That's good. But will we actively represent Jesus to these three people as we are praying for them? Maybe look at those nine steps and say, okay, I'm going to be a blessing to this person, right? Will we internalize it? Will we do those things? That's challenge number two. Third challenge, maybe we're looking at all this and we're like, okay, great, I took a picture of your nine things, it's kind of a lot, I'll try it out. Um, yep, I'm doing the prayer for my three, okay, I'll try to represent my three. But maybe you're like, I still kind of need something more practical, I still need some more tools um, to help me and some resources to help me. And if that's what you're thinking, I would encourage you to go to our Be Bold workshop. Okay, so we've set this up, it's on Saturday, August 4th, child care and lunch provided, so there you go. Um, and would you go to this, and because I think we, we really do, as a church, as somebody who's on staff, we think that Ephesians 4.12 is so true, that we want to equip the saints to, to do the work of ministry. That just means that we want to equip people of our church to go and do these things, to live boldly, and we would take that seriously, and so we would like you to come to that Be Bold workshop to get some practical tools and resources of how you can do this for real in real life, okay? All right, well, I'm gonna invite the band up at this point, and as the band is coming up, I have just one more thing to address here, because maybe you're here today, and maybe you're like, wow, okay, I've, maybe this is the first time you're kind of hearing of this. Maybe you're like, this is what Christianity is supposed to be like. This is how Christians are supposed to act. This is how the church is supposed to function, and maybe you're like, I had no idea. Maybe you had the opposite experience or the opposite um, perception of that. And if that's you, I would say I would invite you to be bold and to come to know Jesus, to be part of the church. And we're going to do this imperfectly, but increasingly, because we serve a God who bore our sins, who died for us, who rose again, and who loves you and me. And when we were lost, he sought after us. So maybe you've been tuning into this series and maybe you've been making some bold steps on your own and maybe you've been praying boldly like, God, I, I don't know if you're real. Maybe you can show that to me. Or, or maybe you're looking for whatever your next steps in faith might be. So if that's you, if you're looking for next steps in faith, would you be bold by this way? Would you be bold by getting baptized? I think this is one of the best ways to boldly live out our faith. Right? Jesus says, whoever confesses or acknowledges Jesus before men, Jesus will confess and acknowledge you before God. This is one of the greatest ways to start living boldly for Christ. So would you grab a Connect card? Would you write, I want to get baptized on it if you haven't before? Would you even just pull out your phone right now and text this text, I want to go public to mec.baptism at graceohio.org? Would you do that? Maybe for you, that's your next step in living boldly for Christ. Okay, so those are our challenges. And I would encourage you, as we're praying, to kind of consider those things. Let's be bold and pray together. Jesus, we just thank you, God, that, that you are good. And God, that you came and, and lived this life with, with us. You were actually here, and you were an example to us, Lord. God, this, these aren't just some theoretical things that um, sound good on paper or look good, but God, you went before us, and you, exampled, you, you were the example for all of these things. So Lord, help us to, to see that. Help us to um, be bold and to actively do these things together as a church, as a community of believers here on mission for you, Jesus. Would we actively be a blessing to others? God, would you empower us and enable us to do that with your spirit, Lord? 
And God, I just want to keep praying that prayer. Lord, would you make me bold? Because I know that the three people I'm thinking about right now desperately need you. God, would you enable me and us to represent you to those three people that we're praying for? God, help us in that. We need you to do that, to do that right. And Lord, for anybody who wants to take their next step, would you encourage them and show them who you are and um, take the next step and take that internal decision to follow you and express it in an outward way of boldly getting baptized and sharing that with others. God, we thank you that you're a good God and that you enable us and empower us to live boldly. We just praise you and give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.